This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Mary Lucas from Transitions Life Care. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Good afternoon to you. I'm Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas representing Transitions Life Care. Mary, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I've got my tomatoes in the ground and then like frost came. I don't know. We're in like second winter, third winter now here in North Carolina. I think it's third at least. (laughs) I just don't know what season it is anymore. I apologize to the listeners because I have not gotten an update from the garden for a while now. (laughs) So we've we've got tomatoes on the menu. Yes. What else? We've got peppers in the ground. We've gotten cucumbers and squash. I branched out a little bit this year. (sighs) This is exciting. This is exciting (laughs) news on Aging Matters. We're going to keep up with this. And uh, as as the the fruit and vegetables start coming in, I I will report back to the listening audience. (laughs) Well, we've got uh, maybe a few more pressing issues, not too many more than Mary's Garden. We're uh, wrapping up National Volunteer Week, and we thought it would be a wonderful time to have a discussion on volunteer services. And to do that, we could think of no other person better to come on the show than Leah Rosen. Leah is the volunteer services team leader with Transitions Life Care. Leah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, both of you. I'm thrilled to be here. This is something near and dear to me. I, after my grandmother passed away at Transitions on our hospice services, I I started volunteering, and I, I know the importance from my personal experience and, and being at the hospice home, but also you know, being able to volunteer before I actually became an employee at Transitions really brought me super close to the mission and being able to help uh, our patients and families. And I'm, I'm really excited about this episode and to celebrate Volunteer Week. Uh, so Leah, why? I, I know the answer and I know so many people who have experienced it may as well, but why are volunteers so important to Transitions and other hospice providers in our area? Yeah, that's a great question, Mary, and a great one to start with. Hospice volunteers support Transitions Life Care and, and other hospice providers in many ways. I, you know, I believe strongly that hospice volunteers are essential in providing the level of care and support that patients and their loved ones expect when they're on hospice care. They expect to feel supported, and that is the role of the volunteer. The primary goal of a hospice volunteer is to provide empathy and companionship to both the patient and their loved one during difficult times that they may be facing. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the services that are provided for patients and families by volunteers at Transitions? Sure. We have volunteers who do so many different things for our patients and their families. We have volunteers who provide companionship, which can be conversation, bedside presence, engaging in a hobby, something the patient enjoys. We have volunteers who provide respite for the caregivers to give them a break. We know that caregiving is a very, very big job and caregivers deserve and need breaks. We have transportation volunteers who can take our patients or their loved ones here, there, or anywhere they need to be. We have volunteers who provide practical support. That can include light household tasks, organization, running a load of dishes, just making the family and patient feel supported in their own home. And we do have volunteers who are special, specially trained, specialty trained, to provide bedside support for those patients who may be closer to the end of their life. 
Wow, that's such a, a large breadth of things. I remember when I was volunteering, yeah. I became really close with the family. I, I provided family support a, in someone's home, and um, I went once a week, and it gave the caregiver a chance to go out and do his grocery shopping, and he went to the gym, and he went to church, and um, I I just I felt so close with him, and, and he would always come back, and I'd spend a little extra time talking with him and listening and um, and just and just listening and sitting and being a presence with him, and I, I it was something that was really special to me and, and really and brought me to transitions even closer than I already was after my grandmother passed. But, you know, I, I think that's something that people don't realize when coming on to hospice or considering hospice mm-hmm. is that is a whole another extra support, a level of support for the family beyond just what the patient receives in in our services. Absolutely. We have a we have a volunteer who during football season was going to the patient's home Friday nights so that the caregiver could go to her grandson's football games. So we have volunteers who can do it all. It's really nice. That is awesome. So what other services are provided for patients? I, I, we've talked a little bit about some of the caregiver stuff. You know, um, I want to touch on maybe pet volunteers. It's something that actually came up. I was talking with somebody yesterday, and they were like, I have a dog who's a, um, a therapy dog. Do you guys provide those services? There's some specialty things that exist at Transitions. Can you touch on a few of those? Sure. We do have specialty volunteers. We have pet partners. These are pets that are certified in providing pet therapy and their owner. We call them pet partner teams. They are the most delicious and delightful furry creatures you've ever met in your life. And they provide such a comfort and such a companionship, especially to our patients who have a loving history with their own furry friends. Um, It can be very, very wonderful. We have specialty volunteers who can play an instrument, who can either bring that into the home or into a facility or even into our own hospice home. In our hospice home in particular, we have some specialty volunteers who provide hands-on modalities like Reiki or massage. So it's really nice to touch, uh, to touch our patients' lives with complementary therapies and not just family support. So these are wonderful, wonderful volunteers who can provide those services. That's awesome. I, I remember one in particular who visited my grandmother. It was this little teeny tiny dog. I think it was a Yorkie. And he had he or she had the the Yorkie had a business card um, and, <laughs> le- and left it on the bedside table when they came to visit. And it was just so sweet. My, my grandmother loved dogs. And so it was just a comfortable presence in the room um, when we had to step out. It, it made us feel like she wasn't alone. Um, it was really yeah. it was really special. So that's that's near and dear to me. Um, are you? <laughs> Are volunteers ever required to help with physical needs for patients? I know that that may be something that turn volunteers away or maybe make someone afraid to volunteer. Is that something that is required? Great question, Mary. I get this question a lot as in volunteer services. I like to say, first of all, that our volunteers can do so much for our patients. They can walk alongside a patient who can ambulate and go for a walk. They can help heat up and serve a meal. They can tidy up the patient's room. Uh, but our volunteers do not provide personal care. So that includes feeding a patient, giving medicines, or providing assistance with personal needs like toileting. Mm. Yes, definitely. So where do volunteers provide services at? I know that, you know, sometimes people, there's this misconception that hospice is a place. Um, Mm -hmm. Is it, you've mentioned things in the home, what other areas, and is that true? It's not just in our hospice home, correct? 
Yes, that's correct. So volunteers can serve patients, first of all, in any of the eight counties that Transitions Life Care serves. If a patient has a home, we can send a volunteer, and that is a wonderful thing. Some of our patients live in facilities. That might be a skilled nursing facility or an assisted, assisted living or an independent living. Volunteers can go there, too. We also have volunteers in our hospice home, quite a really, just a really wonderful group of folks who are in our hospice home almost seven days a week providing family support. And then we also have volunteers who help out on our main campus. So that can be in our administration building, helping with special events, uh, and doing all kinds of things uh, that support the organization as a whole. So, you know, most places in our community, a volunteer can go. Wonderful. Is what does the time commitment look like to volunteer at transitions? And is there nights and weekends availability that for people who may have a day job? Great question. Sometimes I do have volunteer requests for nights and weekends. I also, uh, you know, we try not to be too strict and tough about a time commitment because I have volunteers who may be able to squeeze in a few hours of volunteering one week, but for a few weeks they need a break for their job. So it just depends. We like to ask our volunteers to be able to commit for a few hours per week or per month if necessary. Perfect. One last question for you. How does someone get involved in volunteering and is there training so that you go in prepared for these sessions? Absolutely. The best way to get involved with volunteering at Transitions Life Care is to fill out an application on our website. That is the number one way to contact us and then we will make sure we always follow up with the interested applicant. As far as training goes, we are very, very proud to say that we offer and provide a 12-hour training. That doesn't happen all at once. It is spaced out and very digestible. But what it does is it really provides that comprehensive training to to a volunteer so that they feel armed and ready to be able to provide family support. Training includes education about things like grief, about the role of a hospice volunteer. We talk about uh, issues related to diversity, equity, and inclusion so that we make sure our volunteers embrace our patients and families no matter what type of backgrounds they come from. And we always make sure our volunteers are prepared and trained to sit with patients and feel comfortable with patients no matter what stage of their illness journey they are on. Yeah, that's wonderful. And you can find more information by going to transitionslifecare.org. On the main menu there, there's a, a, a an item there for volunteer. If you hover over that, you can find the volunteer application. We're speaking with Leah Rosen. She's the volunteer services team leader with Transitions Life Care, and we're going to continue our conversation with her right after this. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with your hosts, Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I am Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, it is National Volunteer Week. That is why we are speaking with Leah Rosen. She's the Volunteer Services Team Leader with Transitions Life Care, and we've talked uh, 
plenty about volunteering and the critical role that that plays at Transitions Life Care. And we've talked about how you can volunteer. You can go to transitionslifecare.org to learn more about that. Uh, Leah, I, I did want to ask you, I, this is just me thinking, and I, I could be wrong here, but uh, I would think the stereotype would be that, you know, maybe with the rise in social media and uh, the, the internet, that there's a little bit more isolation with younger folks, millennials and Gen Z, and that maybe they don't volunteer as much. Is, is, is that accurate? Is that inaccurate? And is, is that a concern of yours for, you know, making sure that you've got a full pipeline of volunteers 10, 20 years down the road? Yeah, that is a great question, Jason. I appreciate that. I think that, uh, you know, making sure that we are recruiting volunteers from all walks of life and age and demographics is really important to us. We want our volunteer pool to reflect the patients and the families that we serve. And, you know, hospice we, is, is a very supportive service that takes care of patients of all ages. So we want to make sure our volunteers, uh, you know, match that profile. I do think it is really nice to make sure that we have younger volunteers. And so what we always try to do is make sure that we're recruiting on college campuses. We often see volunteers uh, who come from medical programs or pre-med who want to experience hospice work before they embark on a medical career. We last year reached out to the NC State campus and their volunteer fair and were able to reach a few volunteers that way. It it's really, really nice to have volunteers from all walks of life and ages and stages. So we are always, always trying to expand our volunteer pool to make sure that we cover it all and that we have volunteers from all different walks of life. That's wonderful to hear. Uh, something that popped into my mind and something that comes up in, in the work that I do and I get asked quite often by friends and family, um, are there opportunities for families or groups uh, to volunteer in any of the services that we provide? Yeah, what a nice question. We do get requests from groups to volunteer at Transitions Life Care. We have, uh, you know, I know you all are very familiar with our inpatient hospice unit. That is sometimes a great place for groups. We'll have groups come in and they'll provide or cook a meal in our kitchen and serve it to patients and families at our hospice home. We have a gardening club who helps keep our campus uh, looking beautiful throughout all four seasons. We have groups that come in from local faith organizations or community organizations, and they might help us or one of our departments with a mailing, stuffing envelopes or helping us with an administrative task. So if we get an, an engaged group of volunteers, we always do our best to try to find a special project for them to help us with. That's awesome. And for those group volunteers, do they have to do uh, the same training process if they're going to do a hospice home meal or gardening work or something like that that's uh, more targeted volunteering? They do not. For targeted volunteering that does not involve being with patients and families who are on our hospice service, we keep it very simple. We like to just make sure that you feel engaged and supported while you are completing your volunteer task, but otherwise just some very simple paperwork and done and done. We get you on board very, very quickly. Leah, can you talk a little bit about how this works operationally? Like, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm part of a family or maybe I'm by myself and I'm, I'm in hospice care. Uh, you know, I've, mm -hmm. sometimes that situation can be overwhelming. Uh, well, most times it's probably overwhelming. But, you know, the, I wouldn't be thinking, well, you know, what is available in terms of volunteer services? So how is that conveyed to the families and how do they know everything that's available to them? 
I love this question. I think I want everyone to know that when a patient enters our Transitions Life Care Hospice Service, it is our job to make sure you as the patient or family know about volunteer services. So we provide that education right off right right at the beginning of your admission onto hospice it inc- that may co- that education may come from a social worker or one of the admitting nurses when we talk about all that hospice care includes and the support that it provides we include volunteer services right alongside that we make sure that the patient's social worker sometimes the nurse has offered those volunteer services at a follow-up visit after the admission and if a patient or family expresses interest a request comes straight to the volunteer services department with some background information that will help our volunteer feel prepared to go into that patient's home and then we take the ball and run we find a volunteer who is a great match for that patient and family and we make that uh, we set them up and get them started on their first volunteer visit. Wow, that's very extensive. So it's very much a, an, a, an involved process in finding the right fit for the family. Absolutely. We have patients who have might love a particular type of music or a hobby, or they may have a preference for a volunteer who, uh, you know, shares that, that interest. And so we try our best to find a volunteer who meets that profile and will put the patient and family at ease based on those preferences. So we do our best, certainly, to find a volunteer uh, who, who is a great match. It's fantastic. We're going to talk a little bit later in the show about respite and what that means, because I feel like not enough caregivers know and understand the value of what respite is and and what that can look like in so many shapes and forms. And um, I think volunteers are such a critical piece of that and, and being able to take a break and, and not feel guilty for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm happy to talk a little bit uh, or as much as you'd like about respite and, and the importance of that service. Yes, please do. I, th- I think that it's, it's so um, unknown. Yeah. Respite is relief. I very simply, you know, I define it very simply and concisely as relief for the caregiver. That can mean a volunteer who comes and sits with the patient while a caregiver goes to the bedroom and takes a nap while they, you know, so they can rest easy knowing that someone is sitting with their loved one, hanging out, maybe talking or just providing quiet bedside presence so they can have a good rest. Respite can look like a volunteer coming into the home and letting the caregiver leave the home. As you mentioned earlier, Mary, getting to the gym or getting to the grocery store. Caregiving is such an intense and emotional and also exhausting task, especially when our loved ones need more care than they once did. And so volunteers play such a crucial role in hospice care by allowing caregivers to be able to take that break. And by the way, at no cost to them volunteer services are free and they are included in your hospice Medicare benefit. And we are really, really proud of that. That's, that is important. Free. Yeah. (laughs) I think everyone is so worried about the cost of healthcare and the hidden cost. And, you know, this is the hospice benefit is part of this, you know, this is included in that benefit. And I, I, I want to reiterate that because there's a lot of misunderstandings out there about hospice. You know, absolutely. Volunteering was some of my. I, I wish I could still do it and had the time to do it. And in addition to my my real job at Transitions, um, it was it was some of the most special times I had in, involved in our services and everything from the family support and the family I worked with to the hospice home and working at the front desk there, which was also 
um, brought me a lot of joy being able to walk people around and um, introduce them to the hospice home when they were getting there for the first time, which can be a very, um, you know, difficult moment in, in understanding what's happening. And um, it was something that was really special to me to be there at the at the front door and as a volunteer mm. and being able to show people to their room or to show people where the family rooms are and the kitchen is and, you know, and, and just speak to them as their loved one was getting settled in and, and providing them comfort. And it was, it was something that was really, really special to me because I remember walking into the hospice home and, and at that first moment and never had been there before. And, you know, I, I remember that feeling and it, that volunteer, I remember the volunteer that was sitting there and the comfort that she provided. And, and it was just very special job. And I'm so thankful for all the volunteers that it transitions and Leah, you and your team do a wonderful job, um, and, and organizing all of that and making sure that everyone has, uh, the support they need. So I'm, I'm super happy to celebrate volunteer week and <laughs> it is so important to what we do. And Leah, thank you so much for everything that you do as well. Oh, thank you, Mary. I'd just like to say that the the number, you know, the sentiment I hear the most from our volunteers is I get more from this than I feel like I even give. And I, I, I love that. I, that. That is the sentiment that volunteers carry in their hearts when it comes to hospice volunteering. I, get, I feel like I get more than I give and, and how good it feels to help others. So I, I'm happy to be here with you guys today. Thanks for letting me chat. Well, we're so happy to have you. She is Leah Rosen, Volunteer Services Team Leader with Transitions Life Care. Again, if you want to become a volunteer or learn more about that process, go to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. There's a big button on the top of the page that says volunteer, and you can find an application there. And uh, hey, if, if you don't have the time to volunteer, there's also other ways that you can help out. You know, there's an Amazon wish list for those uh, who are interested in helping out with the music and memory unit over at Transitions Life Care. There's, there's lots of opportunities that you can still find ways to volunteer, even if you can't volunteer with your time. Again, go to transitionslifecare.org to learn more. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Jason Kong here with... Mary Lucas, of course, representing Transitions Life Care, and we thank Leah Rosen for being on the show to mm-hmm. talk about volunteering and as we're wrapping up National Volunteer Week. But we do want to shift focus a little bit, and we're going to be talking about communication tips uh, and focusing on being advocating for respite. Mm-hmm. And Mary, this is something that is so, so important. And we say this all the time, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's it's also very, very hard for people to do because, you know, anyone who's um, been involved in, in any part of a caregiving journey knows uh, the, the stress that is put on the caregiver. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's it's just so hard to 
take a step back when you are focused on the person who needs care. Mm-hmm. You need some care as well, and you need respite mm-hmm. in order to be at your best. I think Leah brought it up perfectly. Respite is rest, and and you can't you have to be strong yourself to be able to care for others. And, and without that, you'll get run down and it, it can be very hard on you, but it's such a hard conversation to have. It's, it's something that's not easy. I was talking to my dad about it actually yesterday. Um, I was over at his house and we were talking about my grandfather and, and the importance of taking a break. And um, he's just started a rotation with my aunt and they trade off weekends on on doing the groceries. And I think that that alone has been monumental in, in providing him a little bit of respite. But beyond that, I think I also had a conversation with a friend who's a caregiver and she's really struggling with this as well. And I, so I wanted to talk about it on the show about communication and advocating for yourself. You need a break. And that conversation's not always easy for the person that you're taking care of as well. And I think there's a lot of guilt um, and, and people feel guilty taking a break. And But you have to think inward first and your feelings and what you're feeling and the, and the exhaustion and it is valid. And it is not a selfish thing to do. And I think a lot of people feel um, selfish taking a break when they're taking care of somebody else. And that's, that's a hard feeling to, um, to take on. Um, so there are some tips that I wanted to provide and some, I've done some research on this and talking with my dad and others and I wanted to share them with you all as well. Um, but first, prepare your conversation with intention. Uh, why do you want respite? Is it you time? Is it you need to take a rest? Your work is busy as well? Or you may have children. You know, the sandwich generation of caregivers is, is growing pretty rapidly. Um, and, and you may need to go to more soccer games or whatever it may be. Um, do you need to hire extra help? That's something that's really important in a conversation that was um, really valuable for my dad and, and talking to my grandfather about either assisted living or we need to hire a nurse to help out. Um, so there, those are very um, uh, tough conversations, but it's good to prepare f- for those in advance with intention. Uh, research your options first. Find out what's practical. Uh, if private duty is something that you're taking on, look at cost and, and something uh, and schedules and things like that. And how will we benefit from you taking a break is an important part of the conversation. We will all benefit from you taking a break and being able to share why. Uh, and pre-planning will really help guide that conversation. And I think it's something that's really important. Um, I know we were just, Jason and I were just talking about even pre-planning for the show. Um, you know, we, we talk, a, it's hard to have conversations sometimes. It's always important to pre-plan. Um, second, label your feelings. Put your feelings into words. Write them down. Read them. See them. Understand them. I take time to journal every night, and it's something I didn't do before, but writing down my feelings and going back and looking at them uh, has something is something that has really helped me validate how I feel every day, um, and it helps me advocate for myself in, in other situations. So label your feelings. Put them into words read them, go back and read them. If you've had a hard day, go back and read a couple of days prior when it was good and and realize that it always isn't that way. So putting out your feelings and seeing them and understanding them will help you advocate for yourself. Then pick a time to talk. Don't do it when everyone is alert and in the height of something or you know, right before you're doing a, an important caregiving task. Um, make sure that everyone is calm and rational. No one's overwhelmed. Um, we're not right 
you know, going to bed where everyone's a little bit drowsy, make sure that everyone's awake. Um, so make sure you pick the right time. Um, you don't want to be hangry. You don't want your loved one to be hangry. I know that's not, I, I can't be hangry and have a good conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so just pick the right time to talk uh, and really think about it and plan it out. And following positive communication is always key. Refer to your feelings that you wrote down, why you're feeling this way. Use I statements to share how you feel instead of you statements that place blame on your loved one. You, 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 you is a hard thing for someone to hear instead of saying, I feel this way, I am tired, and I, I need a break, I need to take a nap, whatever it may be. Um, speak very soothingly listen actively. Um, and, and listening is a key part of this conversation and hear the feedback um, that you're getting from your loved one. Take pauses. A lot of the times if you're dealing with someone that may have a little bit of uh, cognitive decline, it's some, that's something that's very important to take pauses and listen uh, and really um, get the active feedback. Then you want to share positive outcomes. Like I said earlier, what will benefit for this time to yourself? What will benefit the, your loved one for you taking this time? What will they gain? You'll be in a better mood. Or <laughs> I can cook better dinner if you give me a little more time to go grocery shopping. Or you know, there's a, there's a lot of benefits of you taking rest uh, and being more fully available when you are there if you're not as tired or you're not as stressed or you know all of these things kind of combine into one. And it's important that you take rest for yourself and take this respite care. And then finally, create a care plan. You know, if it involves, like I said with my grandfather, there was nursing aides that we have. If it's working with an adult day facility, there's some great adult daycares and day facilities around um, that provide care during the day um, and, and activities during the day. You can drop them off and pick them up. Um, there, there are a lot of great options around us in this area. And if you're on hospice, like Leah said and earlier in the show, it's part of the hospice benefit. So you can talk to your social worker and set up the right volunteer for you. If it's you need someone to come into your house and just give you a break while you do grocery shopping, um, you can you can meet with your hospice social worker and discuss all the things that you need, and they'll be able to put someone in place to help you get a little bit of respite. Um, they also have a, a respite stay where you can take your loved one to a facility and have a longer stay respite as well as part of the hospice benefit. It's all provided as part of the benefit. Um, so if you have a vacation that you need to go on and get away for a few days, that's a great option if you're on hospice. Um, also, if you're on palliative care, you can talk to your team there and they can help you find the right fit as well. Um, but respite is so important. And I think that people um, don't realize it until they're, they're too tired and they are too worn down. And it, it is just taking, it is very heavy. And you don't want uh, to feel that way and get to that point. So taking them these breaks earlier and being able to have these conversations and communicating and advocating for yourself as a caregiver is so important. And it's not you should not take on the guilt of this and put those feelings down into words, validate them, advocate for yourself, and and really get the rest you need as a caregiver. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Uh, and it's especially something to focus on early on in a caregiving journey because I, I think – just naturally, uh, one, we, we have a lot of energy at, at that point. And also, you know, when you're speaking with family members and they're asking how you and your loved one on, your natural response is going to be, hey, we're, we're doing okay. You know, we're getting by. We're, we're getting through this. We're still, lear still learning. And you may be kind of conditioning your mind to think, well, you know, we got this. Everything's okay. But as you said, uh, you don't want to reach that point where it's 
you're overwhelmed and it's become too late. Right. To, and then everyone's going to be looking at you like, well, hey, what's what's yeah. going on here? You know, you've been telling us everything's okay, and now right. now that's not the case. So maybe set those expectations that, hey, you know, I'm okay now, but maybe in a few weeks I I may need some help. That's a great point. You know, that that kind of happened in our situation. With my grandfather, my grandmother died, and we were all all right there, you know, and I think this happens with many others as well. When when someone passes and their spouse is, is still here, everyone surrounds them and everybody was around and everybody was helping. The grandkids were visiting, you know, cousins, family members from out of state, everyone was there and helping. And, it, and it's also happens at holidays. You see it quite often around holidays when um, caregivers are, there's a lot of people around and Christmas is going on or Hanukkah, whatever it may be, you know, all the, everyone is there. And then it's, it's a couple months later when you start to feel this and not everyone is there anymore Um, and it's down to the main caregivers and then that's when these that's when this is so important and um, I I think that it it can go for a while before you realize how important it is Uh, so just think about these things when you and advocate for yourself and have those conversations so you can have respite as well yeah these are wonderful tips and I I think there's even some application outside (laughs) of uh, advocating for yourself for respite Um, there's probably a lot of applications for a variety of relationships. Uh, those are wonderful tips. So again, if you missed any part of this segment, you can go online to WPTF.com, click on the podcast button from there, find Aging Matters, and you can go back and listen to this episode. Maybe you want to share this segment with someone who's in a caregiving situation. So uh, that's a wonderful opportunity for you. WPTF.com, click on the podcast button and find Aging Matters. There, we're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Mary Lucas and Jason Kong. If you have questions for the show, you can email agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Jason Kong here with Mary Lucas, we are now switching our focus to adult daycare centers and the benefits that they can provide to caregivers. And we are very pleased to welcome another Mary on the show. <laughs> We've got Mary Arthur, director of the Glade Adult Daycare Day Center at Glen Eyre. Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So not many people know what an adult daycare center is. Can you start us off there and tell us what is an adult daycare center and maybe some of the advantages of uh, what this service can provide for a caregiver? Sure, I would love to do that. So yeah, that's very true that when people are considering their care options for an aging loved one, they often don't think of adult day. Often the first thing that you might think of is in-home care or maybe assisted living or even a nursing home. So um, adult day, we always say, is sometimes forgotten, but it is really a wonderful option for caregivers who are caring for a loved one in their home. It is what adult day basically is, is a safe space where caregivers can bring their loved ones during the day. 
um, where they can participate in stimulating activities, they can socialize with their peers, they get healthy meals, they exercise, all while providing the caregiver not only the opportunity to maintain a job and go to work, but also mm-hmm. just to get some much needed respite during the day so that they can you know, take a nap if they want to, they can go to doctor's appointments, they can run errands, anything that they need to do that they are not able to do while caring for their loved ones. So it's really a good option because it, I always say that half of what we do is for the care receiver or the participant, as we call them, mm-hmm. and then the other half of what we do is for the caregiver because Adult Day offers so many great benefits to our caregivers. Mm-hmm. Such a great point you bring up. You know, there's this new generation of caregivers that are called the sandwich generation. Mm-hmm. They're taking care of their parents, and they're also taking care of their children still. And I, this is such mm-hmm. a great option for someone who falls into that category that can still spend time with their children, but also get additional help for their parents as well. Um, yes. that's There's so many benefits there, I can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. That's so true. And I lately have been seeing more and more of that sandwich generation. I've mm-hmm. recently interacted with a caregiver who is taking care of her mom in her home. And she also has a very young child that she's caring for. So she's got mm-hmm. her young daughter in in childcare, And then her mother is at our adult day center. So, um, you know, people have these stresses of of raising a child while also trying to care for an aging parent and you could wouldn't be able to imagine the types of stress that those caregivers are experiencing um and i think the the biggest issue for our caregivers is just general burnout and stress Mm -hmm. and the best way we think to combat that is to be able to take a break and as a caregiver that is sometimes impossible. They're, you know, they struggle to find ways that they can really take time for themselves. Mm-hmm. And um, many of them don't know that there is the adult day option out there. And it's also a very affordable option. So when caregivers think, gosh, I can't, I can't afford to pay for someone to take care of mom while I go do my errands or go to my doctor's appointments. But um adult day is out there and it is probably the most affordable care option that there is. Who are these services appropriate for? You know, I think about my grandfather who I help take care of. He doesn't have dementia issues. Is it appropriate for those that aren't just dementia related, but also who may need a little more socialization during the day? Yes, yes, absolutely. So we do tend to see a majority of our participants who do have, you know, some type of cognitive impairment or Um, age-related illness, but it is very appropriate not only for people who who aren't safe to be left alone during the day, but it's also great for people who are isolated at home and they don't get as many opportunities to interact with their peers. So this is a great way for them to come somewhere where they are safe and they do have some supervision if they need it from staff, but it's a great way for them to be able to socialize with others and to do stimulating activities. We do arts and crafts every day. We exercise. um, We do lots of musical activities. So 
it is such a good way to keep a person's cognition stimulated, which as we all know, that is important for anybody, but mm -hmm. especially people as they are aging. So someone does not have to have cognitive impairments in order to attend an adult day program. I have many people here who they are fine to be at home by themselves during the day. They just don't want to. They want to get out of the house and they want to be somewhere where they can be active and be around others. That's a great point. Um, when mm -hmm. you, you touched on this previously before, is food provided in the adult day centers? Yes. Yes, ma'am. It is. It is included in the cost. We provide a lunch and then snacks as well throughout the day. And that is typical for most of your adult day centers that they do provide healthy meals. There's usually a dietitian that approves mm -hmm. the meals that are provided. And for many caregivers, they they may struggle to get their loved ones to, to eat healthy meals while they're at home. So when you send a loved one to an adult day program, you have that guarantee that they are getting a well-balanced, healthy meal and that they have staff here who have techniques that they can use to encourage them to eat a healthy meal, which is something that a caregiver may struggle with a little bit more at home. That's wonderful. It, mm -hmm. in, when is the best time to enroll a loved one in adult, adult day centers? You know, maybe people wait too long or um, and they're at a point where their loved one is really having trouble with social isolation or uh, other issues. Mm -hmm. Is there a best time to enroll somebody in these centers? Yes. So I always recommend that you do search out your care options sooner rather than later, because there does come a point where a person may have declined to a point that they might not even be able to attend the center. You know, they might not be able to get out of the house anymore, um, or they just may not be willing to leave the home. So it's important to get them acclimated to adult day or whatever kind of care option that they may be utilizing. Um, so that the person can become comfortable with the people there and can build up a good routine while they are still cognitively able to understand what is going on and are able to physically and mentally participate in the activities that we do. That's wonderful. Are there transportation options or is it all provide your own transportation to these centers? Yeah, so our center in particular, we do not provide transportation. Many centers do happen to provide their own transportation, but what I always encourage people to do is to seek out public transportation. Mm -hmm. We're located in Cary, and so the town of Cary has a great door-to-door -door van service that caregivers can utilize. Um, there's also some options through home care agencies that contact contract with um, Uber or Lyft to provide transportation. So even if the center does not provide their own transportation option, there's many resources out there because we know that, you know, caregivers struggle with their schedule, getting to work, running errands, going to appointments. So the issue of transportation can be a big problem. So if the center does not provide it, there's lots of resources out there and most likely the program would be able to connect the caregiver with those transportation resources. That's great. Uh, one last question for you. How are these services paid for? Does long-term uh, care insurance come in? Is it private pay? Do insurances cover? What does that look like? 
Sure. Yes. Yeah. So, um, most health and just general health insurance generally does not cover adult day. Long term care insurance is the big one that would cover mm. the cost of adult day. That's typically for, for our program. We do. It's a lot of private pay that you're going to find out there mm. for adult day. But then long term care insurance will reimburse for adult day centers. Um, some centers that are a medical model, which is a model that provides a nursing care and hands-on care, they accept VA benefits at times, and then some programs also accept Medicaid, which can pay for adult day centers. So there's several different op- payment options out there. Mary, we're uh, almost out of time here. An- another quick question for you. For those who uh, maybe have been listening to this and, you know, in your experience, you you probably have people who think, oh, this is a, a great opportunity or a great service, but maybe they're a little bit hesitant. You know, in your experience, what, what what's one of the more popular reasons that people might have to be hesitant? And a follow-up to that is, you know, do you have a, a story you can share of someone overcoming that hesitancy and, and the change that it's provided them? Sure, sure. Yeah, so I will say the biggest reason why people do not seek out adult daycare is because they feel guilty. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of caregivers think they should be able to care for their loved ones on their own at home. They have trouble asking for help. And they, the big thing is that they think their loved one is going to be resistant and they don't want to send them somewhere where they might be uncomfortable or, um, will be upset about where they've sent them. So guilt is a really big thing that caregivers struggle with. And something that I tell my caregivers is to just, you have to realize that as a caregiver, that is a normal emotion that you may feel is you're going to at times feel guilty for the choices that you make, but it's important that you do this for yourself. And it's important that they take care of themselves. And I, um, just recently enrolled a participant whose caregiver said, you know, my mom's fine. She's well taken care of. She has everything she needs, but I am not fine. I am the one who is struggling and I feel so guilty about this. And she got to the point that she was physically ill. She got physically ill because she was so burned out and she finally came around and said, look, we're going to try this. And she couldn't be happier with her decision. And that's a a lot of caregivers get into that situation where they um, are mentally and physically just sick and they are totally burned out. So they finally decide to do it. And they are so glad that they jumped in and made that decision. Self-care is such an important part of being a caregiver. So uh, if this is a resource that you can make use of, um, you know, please pursue it. Mary, what's the best way for folks to find more information about the Glade Adult Day Center at Glen Eyre? Sure, they can visit our website. Um, that is glenair.org slash the Glade. We also have a Facebook page. If they just search the Glade Adult Day Center at Glen Eyre, they can see lots of pictures of the fun things we do. And then my direct line, if they'd like to set up a time for a tour, it is 919-447-4494. Again, that phone number, 919-447-4494, or online at glenair.org slash the Glade. She is Mary Arthur, Director of the Glade Adult Day Center at Glen Eyre. Mary, thank you so much for your time today and for share, uh, shining the light a little bit on adult daycare centers. 
Great. Thank you so much for having me. We are out of time for today. Thank you so much to our guests for helping us put together a wonderful program. If you want to learn more about Transitions Life Care, be sure to go online to transitionslifecare.org, transitionslifecare.org. On behalf of Mary Lucas, I am Jason Kong, thanking you for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5. AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.